You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 141, sponsored by InStock Trades and eMusic.com. Blah, 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 blah. Who was that? Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Another edition of the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. It's episode 141. My name is Ron, and I'm here with Josh. Hi. And Connor. Whoa, I, whoa what happened? <laughs> I'm mixing it up on you. So um, <laughs> if this happens to be your first time listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, let me tell you about it. We come from a little website called iFanboy.com where we like to talk about comics, and we read a whole bunch of comics, and every Wednesday, one of us reads the whole stack of comics that came out and picks our favorite or the best one and deem it the Pick of the Week. Very uh, subjective or objective. I always get those two mixed up. I forget. But it's, um, uh, it's subjectively objective. It's subjectively objective. It's a very personal decision. So and then we come here on this podcast to talk about it as well as the other comics that came out this week and a bunch of other fun stuff all related to comic books. So before we get to Josh's pick of the week, just want to warn everybody that we're going to be talking about the comics that are coming out this week. So we're going to be talking about you know we're going to be giving the dreaded spoilers. So if you don't want your comic book spoiled, press pause. Go read your comics, come back, listen, it'll be a much better experience. Or, just or keep listen. them in the freezer until yeah. they're ready to be cooked. Exactly. So that said, Josh had the pick, and let's, let's hear it. There was a good many books this week that were okay, uh, but for me, uh, the book that excited me the most was Powers number 29, and literally, I probably read it in the middle of my stack, and I got to the last page, and I was like, oh, like I made that, that Christopher Lloyd sound. <laughs> nice. Oh, oh. And I, and I just I was like this this there's nothing's going to beat that book right now, which which is it, admittedly that for me is um, it is a little subjective because I have just I just finished reading the first Powers arc for the first time since it came out basically in issues thanks to a, a hardcover that my good friend Ron gave me for Christmas so thanks for that you're welcome uh, but I had just I finally got through it and read that and. A, that was really good. It was fun to go back to it because I, I hadn't read it. And I've been in, you know, we've been recommending this book for so long. It was really good to go back and make sure that it actually was still good. Um, but also <laughs> because that helped me re- remind me. Okay, that was, uh, that was about eight years ago and 70 plus issues ago. And there are things in that that, you know, paid off and, and related to this issue. And for me, I don't want that in every book. But in some books, those sort of long-term full circle things paying off coming around re is just incredibly satisfying and and what i refer to is basically uh, in the first book callista is the little girl that gets rescued by uh walker and now she's much older um which is interesting it gives you a timeline of how long this book's been going on and she's the new retro girl so she's got her first sort of dangerous mission that she's on and then at the end of that first arc also um they have retro girls killer in custody and i'm gonna ruin the first arc of powers for you but it's not really about that. It's not about the surprise of it. You know what I mean? It's about how you get there. But they bring the guy outside, and then Trip Hammer, who's one of the superheroes, who sort of looks like George Carlin, just executes the guy in police custody and melts him. And he just said, I had to do what was right. It was the right thing to do. And then he disappears. You know, he doesn't come back. And then he shows up at the very end of this issue and then, and basically takes the all things to hell. Uh, there's this huge fight that goes on. This this arc has been going on a while. And well, he's been he's been through this arc. He's been out through yeah. This arc. But he just it, like he came in and ended it just the way that he did at the end of the first series, basically. Right. 
and, and this, this arc has been – if you're following the book and you really are into these characters, this arc has been very long and, and drawn out and not in the negative – I mean there is also – there definitely has been delayed, but delays, but it's just like the characters who definitely love each other have been torn apart. And it's really satisfying to have them come back together and have to have a scene there. And there was all my favorite things that Bendis – that I know that Bendis loves that I love. And there was the interrogation in the box scene where Dean is in the box. And so it's, it's, it's heightened all the more. And Walker's the guy who's got to go in there and talk to him. And there's you know, the big argument between the captain and the detective and the internal affairs person and, and all that stuff coming together. And it was just – it was so much fun to read. And then they have to make the tough decision to let Dina go – so that she can bring down the bad guy because they know at heart she's she's a good guy. Just oh, I, was, she's, she's a, been she's been working it this whole time. Like she's yeah been, yeah she's been doing her own little investigation, which was. But yeah. she's I mean she's also and she'll she'll admit and you know that she went over the line. Yeah, like she yeah. did stuff that was horrible because of the disease and the junkie thing that she she came down with. Um, and I mean going again going back and reading it, I love Dina Pilgrim. She's really she's really a character I, I like a lot, and she has developed and changed a lot since we first met her. This compared to the earlier powers work was much more subdued it was much less like he didn't waste any time on being spunky and cute in this it was like getting the story done it was just some of the best of what bendis does and and i you know i i said in several places at this point you know if i had to choose between bendis's work you know on this book and anything else he's doing i'd take this book you know this is this well, this, for me. well, this is the, that's the whole that's the whole you know creator owned. It's the, you know this is the baby. This is his criminal. This is his you know what I mean. Like this is the one that you know. And it's really interesting to knowing where Bendis has come from doing you know doing Jinx and doing Goldfish and Fire and all those other books. Is that now you know with, now that he's you know neck deep in in Marvel world. You know this is really his kind of last you know holding on to that indie comic world that he came from. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, basically, he doesn't have to work within the confines of the Marvel universe in this. I mean, yeah. this is a superhero book. It's a cop book, but it's a superhero book. It's not all that far afield of, of what mainstream books are doing. It's just that he has that little touch of freedom that, for me, is, is really refreshing. I really like that because anything can happen in this book and, and nothing is sacred, which, which I love. I mean, Walker's not going to get killed, but besides that. Right. Well, well he, he could he very could, well yeah. get killed. Yeah, you never he know. Could. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he will. Right, because but, he's kind of the hero. But yeah, but um, yeah, but, but it's not named Walker. It's in powers. It could he could conceivably kill Walker and start with the new cop. It's not could. unheard no, he, of. He absolutely could. Um, also, Walker can't get killed, right? I, mean, I don't. I don't. You know what? The, one of the things is that like they've made him part of the international Green Lantern ish core Nova, thing. Nova Corps. Yeah, the Nova Corps. <laughs> Uh, and and they haven't touched on that. Yeah, we haven't no. seen that in a while. Yeah. So either he's letting it lie dormant, or he doesn't know what to do with it, which I highly doubt. I mean, the, the interesting thing, and I, I mean, I, and I, I agree, I agree with you. I, don't, I doubt that he doesn't know what to do with it. Is that what I find really interesting? Is that we're seeing it with we're seeing it with what he's doing in Marvel with the Avengers book and Secret Invasion and all this kind of stuff. We're seeing it here at Powers, like he, he and he, you're seeing it with Ultimate Spider-Man. He really does have years of these books planned. It's amazing. Yeah, it's totally amazing. And it's really and it's, impressive because it all comes together. And it, when, if you're reading the whole thing, it works. You know, what the brave thing about that for him is it, it, it's almost a matter of self-confidence because he had to get himself to a position where he knew he would be able to finish these stories. Right. And he has. Yep. And now it's all paying off for him because the fact is if he was just some guy doing books and couldn't stay on a book longer than eight issues, you know, he'd never get to do all this stuff. So he really got himself into a position where he could play to his strength. Right. And I mean, even if you look at his old his old works, you know, Jinx is a mighty tome. Torso is a big old book. You yeah. know, they're not small. You know, his run on Daredevil was no small thing. 
Right. And I love these kind of long. He sticks around. He doesn't. He doesn't fly yeah. in for a few issues and leave. But at the same time, though, if he had never got to do the secret invasion story, we never would have known. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Exactly. He, plot, yeah. he, plot, he plots in a way that it's only known to him until he reveals the plot. Otherwise, we would have just gone on blissfully unaware of all these scrolls hanging around. Yeah, and that's really impressive. It's really because it's also because who knows with civil war and all the things that come up with the in their retreats and everything like that. Who would know that he would be able to get to the story that he's been laying the groundwork for? Because stuff happens, stuff changes, you know. But but at least in powers, he's got total control over it. And if anything, if anything happens, it's just him and and um, Omen being able to do the book they want to do. Also, I want to. I mean, I'm talking about Bendis a lot. I mean, Oming brought it in this issue. The yeah. cover was, I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, I had a whole paragraph about the cover, which yeah. is just, man, what a great, great cover. Just black and white, you know, not a lot of lines, and there's so much expression and and so much relationship. And I mean, for me, my favorite kinds of TV shows, you know, like The Wire, this story that plays out over five seasons or something like that. And this, to me, is that same kind of thing in comic book form. And and so for it's just I love this book, huge title. <laughs> I'm reminded of every every time it comes out, and it almost doesn't bother me that it's late because it's good. And you know, for a little while, maybe in the teens of this sort of icon run, I wasn't loving it as much. It was always good, but it feels like it's back. And now at the end of this issue, you know, what's going to happen next? I have no idea. Right. Well, if I could, I mean, if I could have one negative point about the book, which is what you said, was that. This arc was so long and so complex that the shipping really hurt it. Because by the time I got to this issue, I, was, I had really struggled to remember what was happening. I really didn't feel the emotional punch because it had been so long. I, I liked the issue a lot, but it really lost a lot of resonance because this, this, I feel like this arc's been going on for two years. It, it hasn't, but I feel like it has. And it's just, it's just it's only really been tough. four issues, I think. I know, but it feels like it's been going on forever. I, we yeah, picked just, the first issue of the arc back in number 25, like months and months and months ago. Yeah. But, but but for some whatever reason and and you know call me crazy or whatever it, it, that hasn't bothered me I've been able to you know I mean because I've got this bizarre uncanny ability to remember what happens in previous issues and and like you know it's it's one of those books that we talked about before that is worth waiting for in my mind you know because the payoff like just you know when the moment the moment when uh, when Dina and um, and Callista are captured and then they they you just see Callista kind of wink at her. And then the That's fight, nice. the fight happens. That was just that was so great. It was such a payoff, such a payoff. It was, so, yeah. You know, you know, this is a book too that I can, I Connor, I absolutely understand what you're saying. And even though it's late, I love reading this in issues. I really like it's written in issues really well. Even though it's these long overarching arcing stories, I mean, if it came out monthly, that'd be amazing. But at least they switched to this format that's a little bigger and a little meatier, which I think also serves this book really well. Oh, no, it's, it's worth waiting for. It's just this particular storyline is really complex with a lot of different things happening at once. And it was hard to keep track of everything when it comes out every sure. month. Sure. No, ab- absolutely. It but it was good. So that's all that I have to say on Powers. I, I don't think I can gush anymore about it. I've been doing it for a while. But, uh, I think probably it was one of your, one of your top five books from the, the, the barbecue show. Oh, and I've, always, I've loved this book. This book's been with me since I started reading comics, basically. And it's like, it's not my first indie book, but it's one of them. You know, so you, know, you never forget your first. <laughs> time having sex that's what I was referring to I didn't want to be subtle about that because I have had sex <laughs> Jesus Captain America White Zero I'm not sure if Steve Rogers has ever had sex the, tri- oh, the triumphant has. return of Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale to Marvel yeah, this is the prelude issue to the next mini they're doing which, when is that coming out do we know uh, winter uh, yeah so a while yeah Kind of a tease, kind of a cruel tease. A little Why bit of a tease. That? A little bit I of a like, tease. I was like, my name is Zero. Yeah. Just wait until it's done and give us the whole thing. That said, did you feel like the art was a little rushed? No, I think his style's different now. Yeah. 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 You know what? You know what I'm having a problem with? 
I used to love this a lot, and I still like it. But every time I look at it now, I'm like, eh, it's not as good as Darwin Cook. <laughs> there is a little of that going on in my head. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. No, and I, I know. I, absolutely, I'm not saying it makes sense. It's irrational. But it's not quite as good as Darwin Cook. You can see you can see the progression of his art styles change throughout the years, and you can yeah. see this is very similar to how he draws the hero's artwork. It's just, I mean, this is how he draws now. It's kind of like Frank Miller. Yeah. You know the way he he doesn't draw like Dark Knight anymore. He draws like Sin City now. So yeah. that's just the way it, his his style's different. I don't think it's, it's just, rushed. I think it's just different. I, I thought there no, and that's the thing. I, I don't necessarily think it's bad. I thought I, I definitely thought there were some great panels and there's some great pages. You know, great full page flash pages and stuff like that that were really really good. Um, but then like there were just some panels like when Captain America's training Bucky when he kind of just that that weird panel where he says Hey, no fair when he trips him. Bucky's upside down. I was just like, oh, that looks very quickly sketched. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, no, this is a neat tease. I mean, it definitely had me wanting the series and, and getting excited for it. You know, they put this out to have it for San Diego. So it's like, you know, I mean, what are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought I, what I thought was really interesting was on the back cover, just the, the highlighting of the Daredevil yellow and Spider Man blue and Hulk gray to remind people of like, this is, you know, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like their little color thing. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was fun. Yeah. It was good. And I'm a sucker for these Captain America origin stories. So it was yeah. a little different take on the on the sort of Captain America and Bucky that we've grown used to over the Brubaker years. Yeah, it's a little lighter. And so for me, I was I love that other version. So it took me a second to get into this one, I guess. Yeah, because it's a little more tongue in cheek, vintagey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's retro. It's more retro. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a retro story. I understand. But more in line than what what we've seen before, Brooke Baker than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I mean, I, I I will admit, I was like, no, 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 Bucky's a badass killer. Right. That's <laughs> that's that's what Bucky is now, yeah. and I'm I'm really cool with that. Yeah. Well, uh, Bucky didn't start off a badass killer. This is this is literally his first day as Bucky. So yeah, that's true. You know. Yeah, he's got to start he, somewhere. He, he, he jumps in thinking that war is like the movies, and he's learned the harsh lesson it's not. I mean, it's clear. You know, by the end, by the middle of the war, he could very well be the badass killer in this yeah. book. I'm hoping so. Well, I really like the back matter stuff in this. I did too. And and it, because it was some of it was like it was really cool to see the sketches and stuff like that. But then it's like you know a gift for Dave Stewart. I would and, very know. much like gift for Dave Stewart, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then the uh, birthday card for Jeff. You know, it's like it's like wow, this is really kind of personal. <laughs> Tim Tim Sale never spends a dime on anybody. <laughs> oh, another sketch. Thanks. Yeah, just, I just his grandmother's uh, like, I don't like the Hulk. <laughs> Uh, no, it was good. I'm excited for the. I'm excited for it. I liked it more than I thought I did because, uh, you know, it, uh, it's no secret. In recent years, I've been less of a fan of Jeff Loeb's work, so it was nice to see something that I could enjoy. So. I don't know what it is about these books he does, but he seems to tap into whatever vein he's got that's good. Yep. And when he works with Tim Sale, I don't know. Problem why. is, he can't do these all the time. Yeah, well, he could. I know, but it would get really old. It'd be like it'd be like the tarantula puce. <laughs> like <it> just <laughs> what, what, what kind of frequency are they coming out? The Beyond Shark three, three, four. Oh wow, they come out once every year until this one. Well, yeah, that was the anyway. last time when they were at Marvel. Now that now I would I would guess that we're gonna. I mean, I, I don't know if they're gonna stop here, but Wolverine. He's only yeah. done four of them, and there's so many characters he could do. Yeah. The best one he ever did was Superman for all seasons. I know that's not a color one, but the the DC <laughs> one's better. Wow. That's my yeah. That's that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Two to row. Joker's Asylum Penguin number one, which was the second issue of the Joker centric miniseries that they're doing to capitalize on the Batman movie. Hearing a lot about this. Uh, I would, yeah, well, Jason Aaron wrote it, so I would should. never have bought it had he not written this. Uh, but I wasn't even going to buy the first one until I heard he was writing this one. So I bought Isn't the first he one. Exclusive to Marvel. I think he had a lot of stuff on deck before okay, that happened. Yeah. It's so, very so confusing. Like, very confusing. Anyway, was it good? It was really good. Yes. <laughs> it was. Um, 
Remember last was it last week when people asked about our dream creative teams and I said Jason Aaron should write Batman. He should write Batman. Is Batman yeah. even in this? He's in it for one panel. Oh yeah, but not not really. Um, yeah, but you can tell the tone of the world. He's got it down. No, yeah, totally. I, you know what I really liked about this was it's a it's a one and done. So it's like tell a penguin story, which is no small feat at this point because a lot of penguin stories have been told. And he did that thing that he does so well in Scalped where he makes you feel for the penguin, but he also shows you that he's really horrible. About halfway through the book, you're really feeling sympathetic for the penguin. Then he does something just horrible, uh-huh. and it leads to a whole string of horrible things, and you're like, oh, he's a and bastard. That, and that's, that, to me, is, is seeming to be Jason Aaron's great strength, yeah. is, is being able to write the two sides of a given character and make you love them and hate them, you know, like, like, like a Vic Mackey kind of thing. Right. Where you know he's a bastard. In real life, you would hate him to death, but for some reason you, you feel for them. But also you can see how just horrible they are. Yeah, no, this was just excellent. I was so pleased about this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the art was okay. Jason Pearson did a kind of creepy, uh, creepy penguin who was still kind of, um, you know, looked like a human. There was one funny panel, actually. And this, there's, the, there's a scene where the penguin goes into this black market. Uh, convention sort of where they sell anything you want from people to weapons to ammo like batman wouldn't know about that by the way right but it was funny because i just read the exterminators volume four and there's a scene in there where they go to exterminators convention and both panels completely uh, bereft of people (laughs) like there's this there's this big floor floor plan with with booths and, and and stuff and there's no one no one around just like eight you to ten to people in the penguins. You expect to see some supervillains driving rascals around? Or something. You think, how do they, you know, why, why put it on if ten people are going to show up to this thing? Well, what's funny is that, like, it was all sort of low, uh, not low-key, but it was... No, it was uh, low-key, I think. It was, was. Well, it was, pretty, it was all pretty lighthearted for the most part until he gets into the convention and then he comes upon a cage of women. Yeah. Who are being sold. And he yeah. buys one. I mean, like, so this almost feels like one of the Dini issues of Detective... But then there's like the cage full of women and it just gets a little more murderous and heavy going on in the background. And then what the penguin does to the chef is just downright awful. It's evil. This is, this is very similar to the Lex Luthor story where he destroys the waitress because, just because he can. Mm-hmm. The penguin, he buys this woman because he's, he, she, she asks for help and he remembers you know, when he had a little, little bit of a heart. And he, he frees her and they, she falls in love with him and then... Uh, there's a whole framing device about how he was laughed at in high school. And then so he, he thinks the chef's laughing at him at this restaurant and he goes through this whole long, drawn-out process to completely destroy the chef's life to the point where the chef hangs himself. And then uh, Much though, later. Much, much later. It's like a long... It's like a Brian Bendis plot. It goes yep. on for years and it's, you don't realize it's happening. And then the, the girlfriend finds out and then she finds this big bat book with, with articles he's cut out. All the people he's just destroyed over the years. And she just freaks out and ends up... It ends up going horribly for her also. It, it's just another example that Jason Aaron is – he may well be quite huge. I mean, He should be. He's definitely the, big, the best person that's come along in, in a couple of years. Yeah, he's definitely – he's got it going on. Secret Invasion 4. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what was that uh, for? <laughs> I realize with this issue that I'm really not enjoying this in issues. I really think I would enjoy this more if I read it all at once because it's happening so weird. It's happening so – Slowly and off in a billion directions, and it's and it's just there's no forward momentum and there's no forward narrative. There's just oh. a lot of different scenes. There's no story, and it's just like I'm not enjoying it month to month for that reason because there's no nothing to hold on to. Yeah, I feel like we've progressed about three minutes in this issue. Yeah, and I and I I I I, I had the last two books in my hand. I had this and I had powers, and I was like, what do 
do I read last? Because I want to read the better thing last. And I decided to read Powers first and then read this. And it was like in comparison, it was such a letdown. And it's the same guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'm different because, you know, just because I've enjoyed it. You know, like I, you know, sat down and read it. It is what it is. I'm, I'm reading the other books going for, you know, I am reading the other books in the Marvel Universe that are telling the story. I, admittedly, it started, when this issue started off, it feels as if the, the narrative from issue to issue is changing, the narrative device, um, at least in how it's telling it. And I thought it started off a little kind of weakly, um, not weakly as in time period, but weakly as in strength. But as it got into it, like once Nick Fury and his team got in there and the fight was happening, the, the thing is that there, I feel like it's flashes. It's not, and, and Connor, your observation of it, there's nothing to hold on to, I think, is actually true. It's just that that doesn't bother me as much. But I thought the the aspect of um, you know what was happening with you know with Tony Stark and and the Black Widow and Wolverine and Savage Land was interesting. And then when we got the Jarvis on the helicarrier, to, you know, asking for the surrender, and then ending with the you know we were wondering you know okay he laid out this whole thing with the Red Hood. Where is that happening? And seeing that now okay the the Red Hood and his gang are getting going to get involved. And then at the end, of course, with Thor, and, and I assume that's Bucky at the end. Um, yeah. Yeah, the start shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know the the you know it to me it's like it's laying the groundwork to enjoy it throughout the rest of the the other books, which I know is against the whole crossover mentality and all that kind of stuff. But I'm reading those other books, so it works for me. You know, like it's it's hitting on it's hitting on the areas that I I would be looking for. No, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> dependent on on this one book to be telling the story. Well, neither neither are we. We were all reading Avengers. We're all reading Captain Britain. We're all reading those books. I think it's just that when I read this, I want to enjoy it more. I was really excited about this whole thing. Right. And when I read this issue, I'm like, yes, I want this issue because I want things to happen that make me go, oh. And and to me, that is not – look, there's Thor on the last page, which is the oldest comic book trick in the book. Right. It's It's probably a scroll too. (laughs) Yeah. So it's – yeah, it's actually – no, he's in silhouette. I mean so (laughs) – no, I think it's probably him because they, they no, pair him with Bucky. I know, I'm kidding. I'm, I mean, they should, but you know, I guess at the end of the day, just it, it wasn't meaty enough. It's exactly that. It's a series of little things, and and at the beginning, I was totally watching the new Nick Fury team, and I was just like, I don't know who any of these people are, and I don't right. care. Right, and that, that's something that does annoy me is that the cover shows Nick Fury standing with the Young Avengers, and and that's not true. <laughs> the cover is just a lie. I, I think within this, within the flashes of scenes, there are definitely good scenes in there. Yes. that's why I think I think if I read it all together, it might be better. But as of now, there's nothing for me to progress to. What do I look forward to? Right. They just dropped the hood in here in the middle. Mm-hmm. But what's, there's a lot of promise, and these things are going to happen. But so far, halfway through, nothing's happened. Yeah. Well, we're ha- yeah, we're halfway through. It's issue four of eight, which I thought I could have sworn this was a six or seven before. Like, are they expanding it or? Um, has it always been eight? I don't know. But, yes. Um, okay. Right. Yeah, I just didn't notice that. But yeah, no. I, I mean, the, I mean, jo- the joke is they're still on the Savage Land. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they are. Yeah, exactly. They're still literally, on the Savage Literally land. three minutes have passed yeah. on the Savage Land. <laughs> that, no, I mean, I mean, that. more than that. <laughs> no, all that happened was a conversation between Tony and Black Widow and then uh, the Spider Woman and Wolverine. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't, it takes place over a couple of minutes, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was enough time for Ms. Marvel to fly from the Savage Land to New York again. Okay, then what is everybody else doing in the Savage Land that whole time? <laughs> like, kind of are they fighting kick- nonstop, or does she just fly real fast? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I, just, I do got to admit that I laughed at page four with the with the, the close up of the Sentry just still crying. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I do think Bendis is in on the joke with him. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm definitely getting to the point where he's just like, and then make Bob just just a, a simpering weenie. <laughs> Just do that. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. If it was a whole book of that, I'd be totally cool. It's you know, it's not even this bad. It's just I I want to like it more than I do, and it bugs me. Yeah, no, me. I don't, I'm not saying it's bad. I just it's 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 missing a lot. It's missing. It's very weird. Right. Yeah. 
And uh, by the end, it might all make sense. But for now, it's just like I don't know what to hold on to. I don't know what to look forward to next month because there's, there's nothing propelling the story forward. Yeah. So I heard a lot of people being all happy about Final Crisis Requiem, and I went to try to get a copy of it after the fact, but it was sold out. Yeah, I, I was so, able to. I was able to get one. So was it all that? Well, Connor, what do you what do you think? This is this is more up your alley. This issue is all about um, memorializing John Jones, and this easily would have been my pick of the week. This was like it was it was Peter Tomasi, strong writing, strong strong writing. Peter J. Tomasi has kind of become the you know the second best writer at DC behind Jeff Johns, and no one really knows wow. his name, so he doesn't get a lot of sales. But I don't I can't think of a bad book he's written between Nightwing and Green Lantern Corps, and he wrote the really good Black Adam miniseries. There's, I don't I don't think I've read a bad book by him in the last couple of years. This is all about the heroes remembering John. You get more of his death scene. He didn't, he didn't die right away when he was stabbed by Libra. He fought a little bit and they had to cut his throat. And that was you know, very violent and awful. And then you, know, you had funeral stuff and, and then a very, very touching final scene with, with the four heroes he entrusted his memories with. And then a fantastic final page. I mean, this, talk about talk about a classy death. I mean, like a, a yeah. classy way to go out. I mean, it's basically a retrospective of his entire life. And his entire role in the DC universe, good and bad, you know, yep. like you know, not every, you know, like not not every moment with the Martian Manhunter over all the past forty years has been awesome, <laughs> but but um, is definitely you know they 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 definitely touched upon it. And for a fan of Martian Manhunter and a fan of DC, this is the last couple pages. Like, I mean, Connor, were you crying? I mean, I, I was a little choked up. I mean, it was like it was by the end. It was it was definitely like your your throat all got all yeah. clenched up, and it was it was it was rough. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. It was a good. I mean, it was a good send off. People who don't know about the Martian Manhunter are all curious why it's such a big deal that he died. Because I know people who are new are were asking why. Um, this is an issue where it totally gives you why he's important to the DCU. Oh, he's been he's been such a huge part part of the Justice League in general. I mean, he's all, he's 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 been the one kind of holding the flame for all these years. Throughout every incarnation, there's always been some sort of involvement by him, and it just shows at the end. I mean, you look. I mean, you know that when he dies, he gives the telepathic flash to um, to Superman, Black Canary, and Green Lantern and Zatanna, and, that, and Batman. No, yeah, that was that was Batman, Gypsy yeah. actually. Oh, it was a Gypsy. Oh, okay. Oh wow. That was the only that was the only criticism I had was it wasn't yeah. explained who the girl was. It was okay. Gypsy. But and so so through that they they all then start you know writing his life you know that was what that's what it was and then you know at the end you just see them with the reverence just kind of standing there respecting it and and then you know even Batman at the end you know like being the last one out it had power it definitely definitely yeah. had power yeah oh sad one of those books that makes you feel you know like really you yeah. know genuine emotion it was really really good yeah although where does Superman get off stealing a pyramid. <laughs> It's he like can they, do it. He wants to. It's like they they go to they go to they go to lay uh, John Jones to rest on Mars, and so they got all the Green Lanterns have got everybody in like these kind of little transport ships, and they've got a um and they've got a which one they've got a uh, um a coffin with John Jones, but then they show Superman going to the Gobi Desert and picking up a pyramid, and he's flying the pyramid, and he, I guess he drops it on on Mars. It's like. All right, yeah, but that's kind of well, like, that's kind of because it says it says thanks to the specter bringing John's ancestral home to Earth a few years ago. It's fitting that he can now rest within its walls, so he oh, brought it back. Okay, so that's his pyramid. Okay, I didn't. Yeah, know yeah. That. Okay, I see that. That's yeah. good. Doesn't the specter have vengeance to get to? <laughs> I thought that was his thing. Yeah. That's how important John is. Yeah. Wow, spirit of vengeance is 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 moving for him. Yeah, yeah. So Josh, if you do see a copy of this on the shelves the next time you're in a store, you should check it out. Yeah, I will see if they can make me cry about the Martian Manhunter because that's that that's that'd be impressive. Yeah, 
<laughs> um, and if it ever comes out in trade form, you can go to InStockTrades.com and you can see up to 37% off. And they have free shipping and orders above $50. With over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock available for order with new releases listed every Wednesday. Orders usually ship within 48 hours from www.instocktrades.com. And this month, our iFanboy Book of the Month, Starman Omnibus Volume 1, is 47% off. And that's twenty six forty nine. That's a great deal. Which is a fantastic deal yeah, for that. We're, we're going to talk about Starman uh, in a little bit. But See before it. that, you know, we, we had the Jeff Johns trifecta this week with Justice Society 17, Action Comics 867, and Booster Gold 1 million. They were all really good. I just, why do they always do this? Why do they have the same guys' books come out the same week? That it happens always happens. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I'm not complaining. I just think it's odd. Yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, let's, let's go through them quickly. Uh, so Justice Society. Gog is creepy. <laughs> yeah, very, really creepy. Very yeah. creepy. <laughs> it's the, it's the, funny. This, it's the this perpetual book grin. Ha- yeah. yeah. Th- this book has a different tone than almost every other book I'm reading. Yeah. Yep. And it makes it really interesting to me. Yeah. Like, it's just slightly more lighthearted yeah. and, like, it's a little bit fun. Yeah. And I don't but know. All, I, but at the same time, there's a very underlying sense of dread in the whole oh, thing. Oh, sure. I, I do not know what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I know it can't be good. <laughs> well, no, you see at the very end, it's it's clearly it's going. Yeah, <laughs> when, when he's talking to Wonder Woman, and it's like he's like the birds say we're loved by many. I like you too. <laughs> it's just like it's freaky. It's like a, it's like a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we had to get him because they made Starman not creepy, and yeah. I if I don't get creepy Starman, I'll take a giant creepy Gog. Maybe crazy Starman. Crazy, well, crazy. Yeah. Well, that's that's going to get all undone. All that stuff he did. Yeah. I know. Uh, I love how Starman just I, like no, I'm thinking straight for the first time, and it's not a good thing. <laughs> well, that's what makes it all the more strong is when it goes from lighthearted, 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 and, yeah. and it t- turns on a dime to being creepy, and you're like, yeah. oh. It leads us to the Justice Society annual number one, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, well the more we can get, really, is exactly, all yeah. I care about. Yeah. Action 867, um, this is Jeff Johns, this is retcon of Brainiac, and what he, the, the conceit here is that we've never actually meet, met the real Brainiac before. The same way that he, he consolidated all the Toy Mans, the different versions of the Toy Man throughout the years into being all robots of the real Toy Man. He says here that all the times we've met Brainiac before, they've all been robot constructs of the real Brainiac. And now at the very end, Superman's going to meet the real Brainiac. He went off into space and it's Jeff Johns cleaning up the, cleaning up like he does, only he, like he, only he can do. And, uh, I, I picked this up without having read the last issue in the arc and it was totally fine to do that. Did you, did you read this one? Yeah, I did. It was, it was pretty fun. Yeah. I, it feels like all Superman stories have a scene where, like, his father makes him feel good, and then he makes his father feel good, and then he goes off to do some hard thing. Every good Superman story I've read always does that same thing. I'm not saying I mind it, but I'm not sure if you can do a good Superman without doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kent, man. I know. Booster Gold number 1,000. One million. One million. I'm sorry, one million. Um, playing off of the, the early 2000s crossover gimmick that they did with the one million issues. Which that crossover was not good. No, it was not. No. Um, it wasn't that, it was a Grant Morrison one, wasn't it? That he pretty much yes. got away on that, yeah. Um, this was, uh, I believe, Jeff Johns and Jeff Katz's last issue, right? It is. Way yep. to go out. Yep. Way to go out strong. Wow. It was really, really good. It was just really, really good. And then, and then it ends with, um, we find out that Rip Hunter, I guess, is Booster Gold's son. Yes. Well, that's yeah. the thing. We've never known who Rip Hunter really is. It's always, yeah. th- ever, throughout yeah. the whole years, it's always been his identity secret because he's the Time Master, and if anybody finds out who he is, they'll kill him in his crib, and then they can, they can wreak havoc in time. So yep. here he, he admits to himself when he's alone in his room that he's, he calls Booster Dad yeah. and find out that the, the Booster Gold family, the Carters, are um, the Time, the, the the time, time Keepers. Yeah, which yeah. I love the, the last page, which is a great, you know, a great kind of, you know, 
painted kind of, you know, like version of Brewster Gold and his sister in Paris in 1889 and the little, um, the paragraph explaining about it and how they're the time masters and, and how the black sheep of Booster Gold, <laughs> you know, like, I just thought that was a great little kind of capper and, and, and then we get the little, uh, the a little epilogue and the coming this year in Booster Gold. So, I mean, I, w- I was curious if I was going to stick with it. I might stick with it. See how it is. See how Dan Jurgens does. The scene with Batman was powerful again. Yeah. Again, another Batman connection powerful, you know. Well, the the next arc is um, Dixon. Yeah. Oh, it's Dixon. I thought it was uh, Jurgens. It's not. It's uh, not going right into Jurgens. Yeah, no. Dixon's doing the next arc. They must have had those turned in. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 So. But that was a great scene, Batman. Yeah. Booster, yeah but, John's books were all good this week. Yeah. Ba- basically, the thing with Batman was that when when Booster went to try to save Barbara Gordon and kept on kept on getting attacked and, get, and couldn't do it, couldn't do it. And every time the Joker beat him, beat him, beat him. For whatever reason, those pictures stayed in the timeline, like the photographs that the, the Joker was taking. So Batman had them, and he's been holding on to them and waiting for the right moment to talk to Booster about it. And he finally did, and it was just it was a great great way to tie it in together. You know, so. if 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 Jeff Johns was a pro athlete, I would test him for juicing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like literally, it's it's he, it's getting ridiculous at this yeah. point. Uh-huh. So back at the New York Comic Con, uh, when uh, on the video show, when I interviewed um, Andy Lanning about um, Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff like that, I had asked the fanboy question of, "Are we going to see some of the original Guardians of the Galaxy?" And he kind of said, "Oh yeah, no, I'm sure they'll make their way in there somehow, whatever." And as an old Guardians of the Galaxy fan, this is just like it's candy. So you know, the, right on the cover, there's a, uh, a new incarnation of Starhawk, Starhawk flying right at us. We've got Vance Astro. It's it's combining what he's doing currently with the reverence for the past, and like it, it's so, again so much fun, so much. Well, fun to reading. take to take the other side of that, I okay. have no idea what you're talking about, and yeah. I really liked it. Yep, yep. So, so. that's kind of cool. I, you, it's really neat that you can do both of those things at once. If you know, if nothing else, I just think that this is one of those books that for me, I love its imagination. It's the only book that I can think of right now that's doing like. It feels like Grant Morrison type of stuff where like he's got the villains or whatever who say, I believe this. And when they say, I believe whatever it is, that actually happens. And it's just such a neat imaginative bit of thing that's a little bit out there, but it's still grounded enough that it's fun. Uh, Great. Another great issue. I wanted to bring up Ultimate Origins number two uh, just because, you know, why, why shit on Bendis completely. I thought this was a lot better than the first one. A lot more fun, sort of going along. Yeah, I was curious why you wanted to put on it. I mean, I thought it was all right. I didn't just think I didn't think it was I didn't think it was notable though. You know, it was just another Captain America origin story. I don't know. For some reason, I really like those. Well, but, but I, which guy's art was great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, yep. it was, and it was just it's just one of those things. Like, I don't know. It was fun. I I think I probably had more fun reading this in story wise than I did Captain America White, which is interesting that they sort of came out in the same week. Oh, yeah, slightly different. Um. There was more meat to this one, a lot more meat to this one. Yeah, there was. And I also really – it's really interesting. That last page sort of struck me again because I remembered that they had a different Captain America outfit back then. Yep. And that design to me is so much more appropriate well, than sure. the traditional one that we've seen. And I just – I don't know. I just, I actually – I had a lot of fun reading that book. And I thought since we'd sort of not enjoyed the last one that much, I, I definitely – this was a fun read for me. I did not enjoy the last one. I just thought it was standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, this is still that, kind of standard. Yeah, that that was my feeling as well. Yeah, it, no, it, I can see that, but I enjoyed it. Three, but Bendis I, books, three I do like fun. Yeah, wow, yeah, you're right. Three Bendis books, three Johns books. Wow, it's a good thing we give those big time names all their time there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. A don't tell, B, don't tell B Claymore. <laughs> So yes, yeah, so those are the comics that we thought that were interesting enough. But um, if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you can see what everybody else, um, ha- uh, all the other users of iFanboy have picked and pulled. And a lot of folks have written reviews, and we wanted to highlight a couple. 
Horrible cabbage, writes Captain Britain, and in my 13, he gives it a 5 for story, 5 out of 5, and a 5 out of 5 for art. And he says, I'm not a Marvel guy. I barely know that a scroll is an alien and not. As I might have guessed, a horrible infectious STD. Oh, no, I've got scrolls in my downstairs place. I had also, before this series, never heard of Captain Britain, but none of that matters because, by golly, this book is awesome. The characters are interesting, the dialogue is sharp, and it all seems to sit just far enough towards the edge of the rest of the goings-on in the Merry Marvel Madhouse that I don't feel like I need to know anything other than what's on the page. Yes. Yes. That's, that's this, I mean, the, well, the book is very heavily into like sort of Britannia lore, so that probably helps. But it well, was good. Well, I mean, it's good. It's good comic booking in that in that it's it exists in the it exists in the landscape of the universe, but you can read it by yourself and enjoy it, and not have to know everything else that's going on. So, I mean, it's 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 good in that way. Were you happy, Ron, that Brian Braddock is back? Yes, I was very pleased. I knew he wasn't going to be gone. I think Paul kind of let that one slip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when Captain Britain. But wait a minute. Uh, 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 no, he is dead. Anyway, <laughs> so, I like the suit. I like the new suit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there. I, I like the variations. I mean, there's so much stuff you can do with the with the British flag and stuff like that. It's just, I mean, I don't know. I just love the character. I'm just glad to see that he's not going by the wayside. So I didn't. I knew he wasn't going to though. I, don't know, I had a feeling. Only one more issue, and then and then it goes off on its own. Yeah. Only one more secret invasion time. Yeah. yeah, then we'll see where where he takes it. Secret invasion time. Yay. All right, um, our next review comes from Brian Baer, who uh, wrote a review of Indiana Jones and the Tomb of the Gods, number one, which he gave us the story of three out of three, three out of five, and the art of three out of five. And he says, uh, this book didn't start off with quite the strength I was hoping for. The writing is fairly solid, capturing the characters' interactions and Indy's one-liners accurately. The pacing does not appear to be uh, following the flow of the films as much as I was anticipating, however. Whether this is a bad thing or not is impossible to tell f- from this issue alone. I'd love to read a great Indiana Jones comic story once in my lifetime, and I'm still hoping this one will be it in the end. Interesting. I didn't read this one. Um, I saw it on the racks, though, and I thought it was more Crystal Skull, and I noticed, oh, it's a different story. Yeah, just you know, I I figure people want to. It's one of those books that we don't talk about, and so you know, yeah. people were excited about it. There's enough people like I didn't love the movie, but this Connor did. There's certainly a lot of people who did. Yeah, well, no, I, I like the fact that there's a world where with Indiana Jones comics and like licensed property comics. As a kid, I always enjoyed those. You know, um, I'm glad Dark Horse is still doing that. So you know, if we're not reading them, people are. Yeah. Exactly. So make sure you check out the comics section on ifanboy.com so that if we don't talk about something or whatever, there's lots of other valuable opinions there. Yep, absolutely. So it's the it's early July and we figured it's time to talk about our book of the month. I had the uh, I had the pleasure of or the responsibility of choosing the book of the month this month and really it, it was it was it wasn't very hard once I started getting through the first couple of pages of the Starman Omnibus Volume 1 to pick that as the book of the month. If For those of you who may not know about it, Starman was a series that was uh, first published in 94, written by James Robinson with art by Tony Harris, with a couple of different villain artists here and there, but the majority of the art was Tony Harris. It was a story building off of that golden age connection that James Robinson seems to have of telling the modern-day Starman, who is the son of the golden age Starman. What you know? And it's funny because I and I wrote my review on ifanboy.com. If you go look at the top, you see the book of the month. I was 17 when this came out, and I was reading comics, and I was pretty much drowning in Image and X Men books. And this was the book that, if I was 17 and reading, I probably would have been cooler than everybody there because I knew what quality was. But I was dumb and stupid at 17. <laughs> So and so I didn't I wasn't reading it. I remember I remember seeing it on the racks. I remember seeing the painted covers and just, and the, the the logo was, you know, was very noticeable, but um for whatever reason I wasn't really into DC and for whatever reason I never really um I never really picked up on it. And boy, do I wish I had. 
Josh, you had read you you had read these uh, all the trade paperbacks of these uh, a couple of years ago, right? A long time ago, I bought like the first five of them, yeah. and then just for whatever reason, mostly because there were no numbers on them, right? Uh, and the and the inside they weren't reprinted in exactly the order they were printed, so I could never. Whenever I was out and I was like, maybe I'll get a trade, I could never remember which one I wanted to get next. Right. And then so last year, I bought the final five uh, just before they announced they were doing omnibuy yeah. of everything. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I've read the whole thing. Yeah. So uh, and and after you read it, I remember you raving about it, just totally like so. so you much, know. Yeah. You know what's interesting is that I I liked the first half of it that I'd read quite a bit. I think that he meanders a little bit. Have you ever read like Michael Shabon where sometimes there's a little too many words than there need to be? Yeah. Yes. I think James Robinson does that in the beginning of Starman a lot. It's oh, it's very very dense. There's a lot of stuff there. It's clearly very good, but it's almost like he's trying a little too hard. Well, no, but what I think what I think is interesting is that uh, similar to what we were talking about with Bendis earlier is that uh, and from what I can tell from talking to you and talking to other folks who've read the whole run is that there's a, a master plan for the well, entire run, and there's a lot of being, a lot of setup that occurs in this first volume, and a lot of like things that are seeds that are planted that that some that are planted early in in volume one that pay off within the pages of volume one, but that mm-hmm. other seeds that will pay off later later in the series. Well, right. Well, I mean, basically, what I'm getting to is that I liked the first part of it. I liked it a lot. It was better than a lot of comics I read, and it excited me. But by the time that I got to volumes 9 and 10 specifically of the trades, I was like in oh my god status. Like I can't believe how good this is and how excited – I mean like ripping through the pages at the end because I want to know what's going to happen. And it's all because of the slow, slow character development. I mean say slow in a good way that you undergo when you're following Jack through everything that happens and his – acceptance of his situation and his appreciation of that which came before him and even the character development of his father and i mean there's just so much good stuff that happens in there and and it's it's good at first but it just keeps getting better the momentum of it is really good yeah so to fo- so to focus on um volume one basically uh, dc's been re- these they've been out of print the trade the trades have been hard to find i'm surprised you were able to find them josh i know a lot of people have been frustrated trying to find them so well, i had the first few before yeah. they went out of print so they're they're collecting these in in this hardcover. Um, it's not not uh, it's not oversized. It, may, it might be a little bigger than standard comic print, but it's a beautiful pr- uh, printing, beautiful hardcover, great new cover by Tony Harris. It's collecting the first seventeen issues, which start with issue number zero, because Starman launched during the Zero Hour event at DC and might have the the acclaim of having the only good issue number zero from that entire batch. <laughs> um, Basically, it tells the story of uh, one of uh, the Golden Age Starman's foes launches an attack on Starman later in their lives and starts off by taking out his son, who is the current Starman, David. David. David, yeah. David. Uh, so the issue number zero starts with David being killed, and then we get introduced to Opal City, which is the city of Starman, which Robinson invented for this series. It wasn't a pre- pre-existing city in, in the DC um, kind of geography. It again, you know, James Robinson and that reverence for the Golden Age and that reverence for like what makes DC special really builds up Opal City as a character in and of itself. You know, it's a very kind of Art Deco, kind of modern. You get a, you get a lot of history aspect of it. You really feel like it's a real place. I oh, mean, absolutely. he really yeah. builds up yeah. the city, and that through the whole thing, yeah. and that's the, everybody's relation to each other is through Opal City, much in the same way that in Batman, you know, Gotham City is is imperative to right. that character. And what's interesting is that so so you got the Golden Age Starman who's in retirement. His son David is taking the mantle now. He's dead. This villain, the Mist, is attacking. And so Jack Knight, the Golden Age Starman's other son, 
who is a little bit of a, you know, uh, I wouldn't say slacker, but, uh, you know, not a, um, not really, he's kind of a little bit of the rebel, you know, he's got, he's you know, a selfish dick. Yeah. Well, he's got, you know, he's got the stylish haircut and he's got, he's a, he's a, he is a shop owner of a, uh, junk and collectibles and antique store. He doesn't get along with his father, or his brother, that sort of thing. He realizes that this attack is, is tearing at both his father and his father's legacy as well as his city. And so he does, you know, very reluctantly, he picks up the cosmic rod and fights back. And then in doing so, he becomes the new Starman. And what's really interesting about that is that we, and we've talked about this a lot, is how the, you know, this is really the, the tale of an everyman becoming a hero uh, and the reluctant hero at that. And we've read that story over and over a lot. But Robinson, this is probably the example of the best execution of it. You know, Jack Knight doesn't want to be a superhero. He doesn't want to wear the costume. He wears, you know, a t-shirt and a, and a duster jacket and, and, and you know, and, and goggles. He, it's very non-traditional in what it does, but it's, you know, built from this basis of doing the right thing and being a hero and stepping up that, you know, so many people can relate to. And what's really interesting is that in this first volume, what I thought was really funny is that while, you know, so Jack Knight becomes Starman, you think it would change his life and he'd focus on, you know, his cosmic rod and, and patrolling and all this kind of stuff. No, he just, he keeps his job. He's got to, he's got to go, he's got to go get junk. He's got to go get, you know, he's got to, and there's a great issue where he's talking to his dad and he's explaining that if he goes cross town and, and he can buy this collection of something and he could trade it to another guy cross town and make a lot of money on it. And then a fight happens and he misses that opportunity. And like, there are ramifications to his superhero and to his career, which I thought was great, which was just like this kind of realism aspect to being a hero in the city. Well, it's also to, to me, it's a little bit of him. It's denial. Yeah. It's like he could just be the superhero. Yeah. But he's like, no, I, I don't, I don't want to lose myself. Yeah. And so he keeps that other thing, but that, that part of himself keeps getting, you know, hassled and, and wrecked and messed up. Yeah. You know, like the superhero thing just takes over. Yeah. It becomes his whole life. Right. And, and he's pushing back on that for a lot of this book. First volume, it's a great, I mean, like, if you're, if you're curious about hearing Starman, you've heard people talk about it. James Robinson, you know, is writing Superman now, he's, he's, and he's doing that Justice League uh, series coming up. And, and if you're a fan of Ex Machina and fan of Tony Harris's work, it's interesting to see how these creators have evolved from this point yeah. 15 years ago. And it's probably one of the, you know, the, the better series of the 90s. I think the whole run was about like 60 or 80 issues or something like that. 80. 80 issues, 80. yeah. So, so they're going to be collected in these hardcover editions. This is a great jumping on point. And I mean, honestly, it blew, it blew me away at how good it was. I just, I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Hey. Um, I mean, the, the one thing to keep in mind about this series is that it's not like wall to wall action. No. There's a lot of reading to be done. Yeah. Yeah. It's at times it does, especially near the beginning bits, it does feel a lot like prose. So, you know, keep that in mind. If, if that doesn't sound like your kind of thing, this may not be the best thing, but is, you know, for my money, I can guarantee you the whole thing pays off. Yep. Totally. And like we mentioned earlier, if you go to InStockTrades.com, you can find Starman, the Starman Omnibus for a super discount, 47% off. You can get it for twenty six forty nine at InStockTrades.com. Definitely, you know, can't recommend it more. Pick it up. You know, tell everybody, go to iFanboy.com, tell everybody what you think. So. That's a stupid good deal. Yeah, stupid, stupid good deal. And speaking of stupid good deals, um, if you head over to emusic.com forward slash iFanboy, if you like the music, I know every you know every episode we change our opening and closing uh, to a, a different song that we like. We're big fans of music here at iFanboy. You can go to emusic.com. You can get 50 free downloads, totally no DRM. You can put them on any music player. If you have an iPod, a Zune, a, you know, an Arcos, anything, anything that you might have, the music will work. Quality's awesome. Emusic is like uh, really... They're a really cool company. They've been 
been around since, you know, um, I think the late 90s. And with iTunes and all these other kind of, you know, 800-pound gorillas coming in, coming in emusic.com has really kind of been able to uh, stay on top and like, give us what we want with no DRM music. Go to emusic.com forward slash ifanboy. There's a playlist there of, of songs that we picked out that we think that you guys might dig. You could try downloading those or you can download any 50 songs you like for free just for signing up. So emusic.com forward slash ifanboy. All right, on to the email. <clears throat> I will read the email. All right. Jason Newcomb, uh, who's jumping Jupiter on the site, uh, says, here's a question for you three to ponder. I've been hearing a lot of this in relation to RIP, as in Batman. When Grant Morrison writes something, you can't really judge it until the end. Why is there a separate standard for one particular writer? This is my opinion. There are lots of writers who write books for, that, that read great on monthly basis and in trade format. I see no reason why Grant should get a special privilege. RIP coming out as a monthly, thus it is coming out as a monthly, thus it should be judged according to how it reads as a monthly. Wrong. Uh, no, I don't know if it's no. I don't know if it's wrong. I think, yeah, I, he's wrong. No, Connor, wait. He, he he has an opinion. He can have a point. I I think that there's something to be said for it's a like like we're talking with Secret Invasion. Judge Secret Invasion after issue eight comes out and you've read the whole story. You know, I think that that's right, fair that's, to say. I don't think I don't think it's Grant Morrison gets a pass or anything like that. It's the idea. Of, no, I'm like, saying he's wrong yeah. that only Grant Morrison gets his pass. This is right. some a lot of people write as as a whole. People write differently, therefore every writer's right. judged differently. But I think well, it's a, I, but, but I think it's fair to judge uh, on if you want to judge on an issue basis that like you know with a lot of problem that people had with Final Crisis is that and like what you had with Secret Invasion, you judge Secret Invasion on an issue basis. Right, I'm saying I want right. I'd, I'd rather read it and judge it by the end because as right. of now I'm not enjoying it in issues. It's different right. though. Well, right. it works differently for everybody because the fact is it depends on what your patience is. The reason that I think with myself and 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 Connor, for example, that that Grant Morrison would get a. Pa- I mean, Grant. I mean, Connor's not annoyed by how Grant Morrison's writing, so it doesn't really count. But for me, I will give him more leeway yeah. because to me, in the my past experience has taught me that being patient is rewarded with him. Now that not everybody gets that, you know, the, the the new guy on a Batman series that I'm not enjoying doesn't get that. You need to impress me more quickly. Grant Morrison is, has earned my respect, I guess, in that case. You know, so is so is Bendis. Uh, you know, so, so 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 I let them have more. That's that's why they get a special privilege. But that's just for me. For you, if if you're not enjoying something, don't buy it or wait until it comes out later. It's it's. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is what works for for anybody individually. We can only recommend you what we've seen in the past. That I think, yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for the the established writer veteran with a reputation where you know where, where like very you know very rarely at this point you know you know what to expect from a Grant Morrison or a Brian Bendis or a Greg Rucka or Ed Brubaker or whatever like they've kind of they've done the they've done the work to you know to deserve the the benefit of the doubt to read the whole story. That said, at the end of the day, the whole story could suck. You know, and they could well, the, no, out, the Grant know. Morrison. Well, you judge it. You judge it at the end. It may yeah. suck. It may be good, but you you, yeah. you know. Listen, it's absolutely possible. I put this at about a 25% possible that a Grant Morrison story like this that you're waiting to come together may not at the end. Yeah. This is the risk you take. He does sometimes just go somewhere that you didn't really want it to or, you know, but... Because the cat yeah. do. Yeah. So. <laughs> Aliens, man. Look so. at them, man. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I think it's less about the writer and more just about the whole story. I mean, I would, we'd say that for, I'd say that for anybody. So if you have a question, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. Let us know what you think about judging writers and that sort of thing. Okay, so on to our voicemail. Hey, it's Jeff from Texas. I'm a little bit drunk, but I wanted to talk to you guys and tell you that I'm excited that you have turned me on to this band called The 101 that does your little theme song for the video cast because they're awesome. And also, uh, have you guys started reading Hercules yet? Because it is awesome as well. Uh, and I will talk to you later. 
I love that that people get drunk and call our line. This is not this is not that rare of an occurrence. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say it's not that rare at all, actually. <laughs> no, and I love it, but it's you know what? It's cool to point out that the 101 is the band who does the music. Yeah, that and they un- let us use for our video show. And unfortunately, they broke up a little while ago. But the main guy from the 101 is in a new band that's called uh, Golden City, and you can find them at myspace.com/slash/therealgoldencity. And it's if you'd like the 101, you'll dig the Golden City. So they're the um, very good band. Can't recommend them more. The good news is that we've held up our end of the bargain with that song. We're able yeah. to use it because we're still not advocating Nazism. Yes, exactly. That was the, that was the one uh, deal term that they had. Yeah. <laughs> and, Her- and Hercules, everybody, you know, I keep hearing people are still talking about Hercules. I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to try. I'm not going to? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All I think right. I'll, I might read the first trade, but I thought about buying an issue, but I didn't because I had a lot of books to buy. Well, there. All right, so if you want to call the voicemail line to tell us how drunk you are, you can call us at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 1-888-326-2697. And please do not drink and drive and call the voicemail line. We can't, I don't and, and don't act like you're drunk. Yeah. 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 Don't, yeah. don't call in and do fake drunk because we'll know. Yeah, exactly. We'll know. So. <laughs> Come on, man. There were several people who called in and said that they also cried from reading Final Crisis Requiem. So Aww. chin up, boys. It's going to be all right. Bunch of pansies. Yeah. He's sad. I'm going to go watch New Frontier again. <laughs> Guess guess what's coming? I don't know what's coming, Josh. Oh, San Diego's coming, bitches! Oh, I'm not ready. <laughs> this is the crescendo of the comic convention season, and and not too many weeks from now, we will be uh, haunting the streets of the gas lamp district, probably panhandling money. Because <laughs> we need it. <laughs> Very likely. Like last year, we made jokes about strippers and all. No, no, just give me a nickel, seriously, please. I need to eat. <laughs> we're gonna be there. We're gonna be. Um, we're gonna be there for the entire con. If you're going to the convention, uh, we we hope we'll, we'll get to see you. We're gonna be appearing at a. There's gonna be a comics podcasting panel on Thursday at five o'clock um, with some of the other uh, podcaster um, all stars. So that's always a fun thing to go to. And then there's also gonna be. We're gonna be uh, throwing a bit of a meetup party with our friends over at the Totally Rad Show. Um, another show on Revision Three. We're still waiting on firming up the details on that meetup. So stay tuned to ifanboy.com for more details about it. Uh, but it's probably gonna be Friday or Saturday night. And get on the iFanboy Twitter feed because yes. that's if, if there's any last minute uh, stuff about where we're gonna go or what we're gonna do, that's a good place, and you can get you know text messages sent to you so you'll know where we're gonna be. Yep. Exactly. So that's Twitter twitter.com slash iFanboy. Yep. And yes. um, we look forward to seeing you all in San Diego. Yes. Yes. And so you might have, um, if you're a big fan of the comic book shows, you might have noticed that uh, Hellboy came out this this weekend. We're, we're going to be, we, we talked about it, gave our little podcast review, and if you look at it on the feed and look at the the show directly under this one, you can download that and hear what we thought of Hellboy. And if you haven't seen Hellboy, um, be sure to go check it out and click on one of the Fandango banners on ifanboy.com to buy your movie tickets, and that helps us out. Thank you. Or for Dark Knight coming out yes, this week. Yes, Dark Knight coming out. Yeah, get, I, I got my tickets. Or any movie tickets. Just yes. click through it and buy your tickets. Yeah. Damn, yep. I, that's what I did. <laughs> and that Fandango banner is at ifanboy.com you can go there to read Josh's pick of the week review on powers and you can see all the in-depth comic book discussion we've got in the, in the daily columnist and we got some more people coming this week we've got a couple of new features coming yep. so go to ifanboy.com and check that out and uh, it's fun it's good. Uh, Jim is bringing it on Monday by the way <laughs> not that other people haven't because I thought that Paul brought it last week with his Hellboy stuff and, and Mike Romo really brought it on Thursday with his stuff and basically I'm going to quit writing <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying yeah. uh, I'll need to sell things to do that so go to ifanboy.com slash store and you can see all the stuff about Hellboy uh, from this week that we, that we linked on there and, and a way to get into Amazon if you're going to buy stuff there good way to help the show out and yes. see some recommendations 
And uh, speaking of Hellboy, if you watch our video show, you you saw this past Wednesday um, our our second our Hellboy or Hellboy again came out, um, where we talked about the the movie as well as the current comics that have been coming out in the Hellboy universe. So you want to go to revision3.com forward slash ifanboy to check that out. And then coming this week, we're gonna be looking at the top five Batman stories to go in tune with the Dark Knight that aren't yeah that aren't the Dark Knight. So don't, 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 don't reveal the secrets uh, of the show. But in case you didn't, uh, in case you didn't notice, the video show has moved from Saturdays to Wednesdays. So now every Wednesday you can get your fix of my fanboy right when the comics come out. You can watch some TV about comics and enjoy that. And along with that, you can check out the iFanboy Mini, which is every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. It's a little one to four minute piece on comic books that we enjoy doing, and it's, it's fun. And so check that out. You guys brought it too. <laughs> yes, <Man. we> did. <laughs> I thought I, I, I did too. Everyone brought it. Basically, okay. it's a big potluck of it. And you should wear your shirt so that we know who you are. Go to jinx.com slash iFanboy if you want to get an iFanboy t-shirt. And then you can send pictures in to jinx.com. And they'll send you free stickers and then send us pictures too because it strokes our delicate little egos. Yes. And if you want to stroke our ego even more, you can send us an email at contactifanboy.com to tell us how much you love us or send a, leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS-226-2697. No, seriously, please write and call in with any of your questions, comments, or thoughts or anything like that. You might get on the show, audio or video. So be sure to keep them brief, 30 seconds, and tell us who you are and where you're from. And check out our social networks at ifanboy.com slash about, MySpace, Comic Space Verb, Facebook group. And as we said earlier, go uh, join the Twitter feed. That's how we're going to update you from San Diego. So check that out. Go join twitter.com slash ifanboy. Hey, if you like the show, a good way to support us is to get over to iTunes and leave a review for the audio show or the video show. Better yet, tell people about it who you think might like it. That word of mouth is the best thing. If you're on message boards or wherever and, and people are talking about it, say, I like this show. If you do, if you don't, then don't lie. That's fine. And finally, if you like the show, if you do like the show and you've told somebody and you also want to help out, you can go to ifanboy.com forward slash donations where you can donate any denomination you like and help us keep this going because we, you know, we work very hard on it and it's all free for you. We appreciate your support. All right, well, that was another week of comics. <laughs> like the mail or the weather. It was a, it was a, it was a good week. It was, it was a good week. No, it was a solid week. It was. A, it was. I had a big stack, and it was. It was fun. I had a good time reading it. I enjoy the comic books. I like the comic books. I will continue to like the comic books. I felt very <laughs> confident about my pick of the week. Good. Good. Because it was my favorite book that I read this week. Good. That's not good. offensive at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm not defensive. Why would you say that? I'm not. That's, you can't say I'm not defensive ever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's non-starter.
Oh my god. Captain Britain and MI-13 is the best series that Marvel is putting out right now. Oh my god.